You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Little inside baseball. I was late on the delivery on that one. I, it, it's, I forget that I do it, but it's kind of a weird thing. I time my breathing so that I can hit the intro at the right time. And I could just tell I started it and I'm like, I got to get caught up. So I'm trying to like catch up my breathing to where it's supposed to be, but I also don't want to breathe loud into the microphone. So I just, I just missed it. It's a really weird thing. I, I start to notice it too, because I like hold my breath and then I hit start and then I, you know, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, go. Now, you know, now you know how that goes. But sometimes you got to have a little fun, man. Start off a little short of breath and out of time. See if you can get synced up. I failed. I lost that one. Can't win them all, man. Well, this just in five minutes ago. Via Ian Rapid, re, re, uh, uh, Merry Christmas, by the way. Via Ian Rapin, oh my goodness. Should we call it? Should we just call it Rappinport? Jeez. I'm not giving up. Ian Rappaport. Got it. Titans coach Mike Vrabel, quote, we're not dead yet. It's not how I was going to start the show, but uh, that popped up and all I could think was classic laughing at the enemy. Now, the Titans did just win. They beat the 49ers, which makes me happy for so many reasons. Um, First of all, the whole we're not dead yet thing, I'm looking at their odds, and maybe it's because they just won. I don't know. They have greater than 99% chance of making the playoffs, so I don't know what he's crying about. That reminds me of the... See, now I'm annoyed. I, I didn't realize they were that well off. Again, I wish I could change it back so I could see what they were, but they had to have been close, especially with Miami and Houston teed up. If one win basically gets you in and you've got at least at least one softball, because I don't know what Miami is right now, just reminds me of like when the Patriots never lost anything ever and Tom Brady kept talking about how they're the underdogs. We love being the underdog, man. We love when nobody believes in us. Tom, I'm 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 gonna kick you right in the jejunum. Cause I just can't handle that. That's 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 ridiculous. But it is, and oh, see, now I'm annoyed for all different reasons. I was just going to laugh at him, like, dude, we could be the Titans, <laughs> right? We're not dead yet. But think about that, because my whole thing coming into this was, what a pathetic thing for a team to say, even if you're, even if you're hard up. I mean, technically, the Giants at 4-10 and 10 are not eliminated yet. So if the Giants head coach were to say, we're not dead yet, even that is still kind of like, that's not the greatest way to put that. I mean, I'd prefer to not even really discuss the playoffs if somebody brought it up, but, you know, technically we're not eliminated. We obviously have to win out and have miracles happen in all sorts of ways here. But I can't imagine being one of the top teams in the AFC, basically guaranteed a playoff spot. They're probably going to clinch this week. I mean, what? let's see what needs to happen here. Um, trying to pick one thing 
that'll get us in. If Arizona wins, they're in. It's done because they've just beat the Colts. So what a stupid thing to say. Why would you say that? Be like if the Packers lost to the Browns and Matt LaFleur's like, well, we're not dead yet. Dude, we're in the playoffs. We clinched it, bro. We're in. It's it's a done deal. We're the only team that has for the full week. Now, by the way, the the Cowboys. How did the Cowboys clinch based on that? Oh, the 49ers lost. All right. Well, there you go. Thanks a lot, 49ers. Not like the uh, Cowboys didn't have a chance anyways. They were obviously going to lock that up, but that's annoying. Did I say Merry uh, Christmas Eve, by the way? I did. I did say Merry Christmas Eve. I, 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 I wanted to just launch into that because it was just sitting in front of my face and I couldn't not talk about it. Plus, the way my brain is, if I don't immediately address it, I'm going to forget. And then I, I just didn't want to forget because it's uh, it's such a stupid thing. And I, I love taking, if you haven't noticed, every opportunity to point out how we are better than a lot of other teams, even the top teams. And uh, it's not all just based on the talent of the roster, which at this point, with all the injuries and everything else, the Titans are hard-pressed to argue that they're as good as the Packers. But they're still a top team in the AFC. They're a top team in the NFL, um, which doesn't have much meaning this year in particular. There's not a lot of teams that are unbelievably impressive. I don't know if there's one, to be completely honest with you. Like, you know, dominant, can't-be-beat kind of thing. But to be one of the top teams, to just win a football game, to be a lock to make the playoffs, they have a 96% chance to win the division, and they got a 1-5 in five chance of, of getting a first-round bye, and he's got the gall to go up in front of a podium and say, we're not dead yet. Wow, way to be optimistic there, Chief. You got Mike McCarthy saying, we're going to win the game, just casually talking, like, uh, you know, we're going to go down there, we're going to beat them, et cetera, et cetera. Like, just, and, and they did. Everybody was kind of borderline upset with Mike McCarthy about it. Like, dude, you think you should be kind of, like, so brazen about it. And had they lost, maybe it would have backfired. But if I had to choose between a coach like Mike McCarthy, and I hate to even say this, no disrespect to Mike, but the whole the whole last several years of misery of our team was largely correlated to Mike McCarthy not giving a crap and just being not the right coach for us. But if I had to choose between Mike McCarthy, who's got a an arsenal behind him, who is locked up in the playoffs, who's going to face a division rival and casually is like, yeah, we're going to go down there and smoke them or up there, or whatever, and then do it, or a guy who wins a Thursday night football game and is like, hey, we're not dead yet. <laughs> Mike, what are you doing, dude? The full quote, I, it makes even less sense. I don't, I just, I don't get it. I mean, the, uh, the, the title says people were planning our funeral, but the Titans are not dead yet, which, again, it, it kind of takes some of the sting out. I can't even find that in the quote where it says people were planning our funeral, but regardless, either way, who is planning your funeral? And why did you say yet? You're, you're leaving it. You just make it sound like we're about to get eliminated. I know this isn't a Titans podcast. I just want to, again, it's all about perspective. When you think about how upset you are at this little thing that McCarthy or that uh, LaFleur, <laughs> LaFleur said or Gutekunst said or whatever, I mean, just, just this is the state of the NFL, and this is the thing that other teams are having to put up with. I can't. If I was a, a Titans fan and this was a Titans podcast, I would be really not happy with that comment. Here's the, the quote, and there, there's a quote before it that doesn't seem to tie in whatsoever, so I'm just going to start it here. It says, I mean, we had a funeral for the Titans. I, I don't have any idea what that means. I'm guessing it was their losing streak or whatever. I don't know. He goes on to say, you know, it was yesterday or today. So, nope, that wasn't it. The heck are you talking about? Continuing on. But we're not dead yet. We'll come back and we'll play the Dolphins next, right? I literally had to go back and double check to make sure Tennessee won. They did. Does he think he lost the game? I'm so confused. Am I just missing something here? 
We'll come back and we'll play the Dolphins next, right? That's who we got in 10 days. This weekend is going to feel really good. I'm happy our players can rest and uh, recover after getting a victory. Merry Christmas. What are you talking about? What funeral? I hate to, to talk about, you know, LSD two days in a row, especially on Christmas of all days, Christmas Eve, whatever. It's, it's In my mind, there's two days of Christmas. So if I just say Merry Christmas, my kid busted me out for that. I, he woke up this morning. My son is exactly like me. At 8 o'clock, he is out cold. He actually starts asking if we can go to bed around 8, and then he's up at 6.30. I was making coffee. He comes strolling out, ready to rock and roll. I just gave him a hug and said, Merry Christmas. He's like, it's Merry, it's Christmas Eve, Dad. I said, Whatever, dude, then I'm, you don't get any presents. Ever. I didn't say that. I did threaten to throw out uh, presents yesterday, but it's just something you got to do as a parent, man. You know we got to go to bed at 8, and two girls are downstairs just hanging out. So I sent my son. I said, go tell them I'm going to start throwing out presents every minute until they get up here. Obviously, the oldest one didn't believe it, but the younger one was a little panicked. <laughs> Dad, why did you say? Well, it worked. Anyways, I, 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 I don't want to be stuck on this. I'm still just trying to figure it out. The, the, the writer goes on to say, well, they, they were prepping a coffin at halftime because it was 10 to nothing. First of all, it's 2021, dude. Nobody is dead at, at 10 to nothing. That's so stupid. It, if it was 10 to nothing with three minutes left in the game, the game's not over. It's 2021, dude. People put up points in, in a matter of seconds. Offenses can just fly down the field like it's nothing. We were up 14 and almost lost with almost no time left. And if they would have recovered that onside kick, they could have, of course, scored three times in a matter of whatever. But even so, again, the coach said yesterday or the day before was the funeral, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing they just, he means that everybody thought they were going to lose to the 49ers. I don't know. But I do want to talk about that for a minute. The 49ers. I was going to quote tweet this, but I just... I, I, it's not even meant to argue with Mr. PFT, Mike Florio. I, I just wanted to use this as a launching off point, but I just, I, I envisioned in my mind, this would be a time when Mike Florio would, and I know I probably should want that. That's what you want as a podcaster is to have like a beef with somebody, but that doesn't, who cares? Guess how much clout I got for being blocked by what's his name, Domofsky? Nothing. And I don't want, it just, I don't know. I just say stupid things that are stupid and some people can't have. Surprisingly, it's almost always reporters. I never get blocked by anybody else. We just argue until I decide that I don't want to argue anymore because they can never stop. And I usually can't stop. So I eventually have to just walk away and stop reading the messages. But I just I just didn't, I, I'm not in the mood. And if it's not him, it could be somebody else. You get this random fly-by-night, well, technically, I don't care. I'll talk about it on the podcast. Here is what Mr. PFT said. Make all the excuses you want for Jimmy G, but he's holding the 49ers back. Surely the organiza organization can see this. This has a very Bears feel to it. You know what I mean? What was the deal with the Bears? We've got the team. We got everything we need. We just need a quarterback. Then they get the quarterback and that excuse goes away and they diverge a bit, but it's really just the same thing. It's let's find a new excuse. For the Bears, they're obviously not going to blame Justin Fields. They love Justin Fields. He's a rookie. So what do we do? We're going to blame the head coach. For the 49ers, what do they do? Well, they just blame Jimmy G. Excuse me. This team has been terrible for years. And as I sit here, I've been saying, you know, I don't know why Kyle Shanahan gets so much credit for having one winning season in his entire career. And the, the most common retort is, look at the injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't played an entire, you know, like the one season he played an entire season was the one season they were good. He had Bosa that season. He had everything he needed that season, and they were really, really good. It's kind of a lame excuse because it's not like everybody was injured since week one. But okay, I'll grant you that. How about this year? He gets Jimmy G back. He's got the full crew. I mean, not full. Nobody's full. But up to and including having one of the best offensive linemen in the history of football this year, along with your quarterback, a good offensive line outside of that, George Kittle, Bosa, right? Your real key pieces here. You're still a garbage team. And nobody, and, and, and this is the thing. This is, 
It's very similar to what we go through in politics and what we're going through with COVID right now. It's one of those things where we could easily acknowledge and probably come to the right conclusion if we were ever willing to admit we were wrong about something. But we can't. So we have to sit here and go, hmm, I wonder what the issue is with the 49ers. I know it's Jimmy Garoppolo's fault. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to replace Jimmy Garoppolo and that's not going to fix it. At no point ever are we going to look at Kyle Shanahan. Why? Because we've spent the last, I don't know how many years saying that Kyle Shanahan is one of the greatest head coaches in all of football, but he doesn't have an elite quarterback. So So let me, let me, why do we even have head coaches? What is it? Because it all just comes down to the quarterback. Kyle Shanahan cannot, under any circumstances, make a winning team out of a loaded roster unless he has an elite quarterback. Matt LaFleur is a garbage quarterback that is being dragged, or a garbage head coach that is being dragged around because they have an elite quarterback. Why, do, why does a coach even matter? We'll, we'll just disregard Bill Belichick, who is unquestionably a great coach, who has turned garbage into production year after year after year after year after year. And now Tom's gone, and they're still doing it, and Mac is not a good quarterback. He has not been in a while. He started off real hot. He's still technically the best rookie because everyone else is just so bad. But he hasn't been doing much for a while. That team doesn't have receivers. They don't, they, they don't have big names. You look on an individual basis. Who are the studs? They got a couple corners and stuff. They always have a pretty productive offensive line. Who's their elite running back? Who's their elite wide receiver? Who's their elite quarterback? Who's their elite pass rusher? They don't have Miles Garrett. They don't have a Bosa. They don't have Zedarius. What do they have? They have a great head coach who knows how to maximize the strengths of the team. The 49ers, by the way, have a lot more strengths than the, than the Patriots do. And Kyle Shanahan's job is to maximize those strengths. I mean, if you want to know about the roster, um, and I'm not necessarily talking about the quarterback, but if you just rank PFF by overall grade, which loosely correlates to the best teams, but not necessarily because it kind of just pulls all together the grade of your team. And so, you know, you might have less important, really highly graded players or whatever, but it gives you an overview of who has the most just talent, right? Not necessarily, you know, obviously having a elite quarterback is more important than having an elite punter, but still just in general, who has the most talent on a roster? The 49ers are fourth and they're eight and six. In fact, one of the best ways to gauge a coach is to look at roster compared to record. So for example, the Green Bay Packers roster is ninth, and yet they are 11-3. and three. That would denote a very good coach. The Kansas City Chiefs, 10-4, and four, are 12th. Now, both of those teams have good quarterbacks, although Pat Mahomes was kind of struggling for quite a while. And really, it's been the defense that has led the charge recently for the Chiefs. And again, um, the fact that their defense continues to produce despite not having really any, aside from one top-tier defensive tackle, I mean, they've got big-name players like Tyron Matthew, who's over, always been somewhat overrated. But um, I'll never understand how the Chiefs' defense is so good and so productive with such little talent. I mean, the, the, the things that they do with that defense are just something else. I would need somebody to really dig in. Um, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of the Packers' defense, where you got Devan, Devondre Campbell and Razul Douglas and even Kevin King's having a good year, and all these guys that it's like, well, all these guys are terrible, except they're doing really good. So I don't, I don't know. Kudos to their defensive coordinator, I guess. Um, how about the Arizona Cardinals? They are ranked 17th, but have a 10-4 and record right? But yet we're going to give Kyle Shanahan a pass for having the lowest record of anybody that's this high up. And to be fair, my whole rant on the New England Patriots apparently wasn't right because they're second in the NFL. So they are pretty loaded with talent, just not at, you know, quarterback, 
Um, it's their rushing grade has a 90.3. Uh, coverage is a 90, which obviously is a big part of what they do in their success. And then special teams is a 90. So again, not really the most critical areas, but whatever. Running, coverage, and special teams are their specialty. But even the whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing, he ranks 14th. He's not complete garbage, right? I mean, he's not a top-tier guy. He's a mediocre guy. By the way, um, oh, no, that game wasn't graded yet. So I don't know how bad he did in that game. Let me uh, see what his... I, I don't want to elaborate too much. Nobody cares about the 49ers, but... It's just the excuses. It's just the constant excuses. And the only reason for the excuses is we can't admit we were wrong. We refuse to admit we were wrong about Kyle Shanahan. We've refused to admit we were wrong about Matt LaFleur. Everybody mocked the Green Bay Packers because all these lazy, stupid uh, owners and all they're doing is going out and hiring uh, Sean McVay mini-me's, right? The towel boy's going to get the next job, right? That was the joke. Were they wrong? Not according to them, no. Kyle Shanahan is still, I I would guarantee you, if you had a round table with with the 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 top of the top, whoever that would be, get uh, get Michael Lombardi and a group of other guys together, and uh, have a round table. Who's a better head coach, Kyle Shanahan or Matt Lafleur? I would be willing to bet it's a hundred percent in the favor of Kyle Shanahan, because they refuse to look at the reality. And the fact of the matter is, as a head coach, it's your job to win with what you got. Well, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. So what? Neither does Bill Belichick. And by the way, you don't have a bad quarterback. You have a better offensive line. You got a way better uh, tight end. I mean, George Kittle is unbelievable, right? You've all, you've got a lot of things better than the Green Bay Packers have. But because we have like the fifth best quarterback and you have the 14th best quarterback, that trumps everything. Again, then forget the whole coach. Just You don't need a coach. You just need a quarterback. That's all you need. It's such a stupid thing. It's so, it's so dumb. Anyways, moving off of that, now that we've uh, ripped through 17 minutes completely impromptu. None of that was meant to be talked about. Um, Some COVID news. J.C. Treader, the center for the Cleveland Browns, has now been put on the COVID list. He came down with cold-like symptoms, decided to do the right thing and get tested. Sure enough, he's got COVID. So that brings their total to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 players on the COVID list for the Browns. Um, They did get a handful of guys back. Um, Yesterday, they got Austin Hooper, Jacob Phillips, Jojo Natson, and their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, back. But um, actually, that was two days ago because they also added Greg Newsom, their rookie corner, to that uh, COVID list. That was the 22nd, I think, that happened. Uh, They also got Grant Delpit back, which is going to be helpful for them. Um, the, The biggest thing, though, is they're expecting to bring several people back from the COVID list. Well, it's Friday. And the game is tomorrow, so I would assume, well, maybe they'll bring him back tomorrow too. So there might be some today, some tomorrow. I have to assume a lot of these guys are coming back because the vast majority are over a week old. Um, the only ones within a week, Jadavian Clowney was the 19th, so that's like six days from, um, and I don't know how many of these guys are unvaccinated. So if that's the case, several of them uh, cannot come back until Jedrick Wills and Jarvis Landry, because I think it's 10 days, cannot come back until tomorrow. But they might, I don't even know the protocol if they have to have two days worth of testing or how that all works. I don't remember. Plus with things changing every second, I can't keep up with it. But 10 days for Landry and Jedrick Wills would be today. And then 10 days would also be tomorrow, Malik McDowell, John Johnson, Troy Hill, and Baker Mayfield. But again, that's on the 10th day. Otherwise, Ronnie Harrison, A.J. Green, the corner, Tony Fields, Mac Wilson, Kareem Hunt, Case Keenum, 
um, on top of Jay Davian, Clowney, Greg Newsom, and J.C. Treader. So it's it's very similar to last week where it's hard to go through this roster and look at it because I'm not exactly sure who's playing and who's not. The only ones I know are not playing are J.C. Treader and Greg Newsom. And I'm assuming Jadavian Clowney isn't playing, but I, I really, I just don't know. And I'm, I'm kind of stunned at the fact that it's just, it's, you would think it would be major, major news, like who's playing, who's not. I, it's hard to find anything. Even this article that I'm looking at, which is a Browns one, they're, they're making it seem like it's not that big of a deal. And, you know, yeah, we got a bunch of guys on COVID, but we're expected uh, to activate some more players. So we'll see. I mean, especially when you take into account how good this offensive line is. I mean, that's really the core of everything. I mean, they run the ball really well. They've got some good running backs. Baker Mayfield at least was doing a really good job. But when that offensive line starts to deteriorate, they don't really have elite wide receivers right now. With Odell Beckham, I mean, not that he was ever elite, but you know, with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, you've got something. Odell Beckham is gone and Jarvis is on the COVID list, which leaves you with Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's, I mean, his grade is a 68. Um, outside of that, you've got uh, Rashard Higgins, who's a 55 overall grade. And then you've got Demi- uh, Demetric Felton, who's actually grading out fairly well for the little bit that he's played. He was a sixth round pick. But um, your center is being replaced by Nick Harris, who played very, very sparingly. He was a 2025th round pick, had a 51 overall grade last year, hasn't played at all this year. Um, you still got Wyatt Teller, who's an incredible offensive lineman. I mean, he's he's uh, one of the few deserving pro bowlers. Ha ha ha, joke. I mean, it's not really true, but it's kind of true. But even even Teller, it's primarily he's in there because he was the best guard last year. He did take a step back, but he's still dominant, deserves to be in the whole thing. But then you got Jake Conklin, who is your uh, right tackle, who's a very good right tackle, who's actually been kind of struggling a lot this year, but he's not playing. And so you've got Blake Hance, who was a 2019 undrafted free agent, got his first action in 2020, was terrible, and now is, is for the first time playing extended um, playtime at right tackle. He's got a 59 overall grade, a 71 run blocking, and a 41 pass blocking grade. He's given up three sacks, five hits, 19 hurries, 27 total pressures. And again, he hasn't even been a full-time tackle. You've had uh, Jack Conklin has played almost as many snaps at right tackle as Hans has, 360 compared to 396. James Hudson also has played 145 snaps, and even Austin Hooper got in at right tackle, which is obviously very strange. But from Conklin to Hans is a big drop-off. From Treader to Harris at center is a big drop-off. And then because Jedrick Wills is presumed to be out, who is your left tackle, you have to take Mr. Joel Batonio, who is a freakish best guard in all of football. So you've, you've got almost your number one and number two guards are on the Cleveland Browns. But Joel Batonio, who is probably the best guard in football, um, he has to move from left guard over to left tackle, kind of like Elton Jenkins' situation, to cover the spot that Jedrick Wills was in there to play. If you're wondering if he can handle it, he did it last week against the Raiders, and he had a 91.5 overall grade. Um, it was his third best game of the season. So, um, you know, maybe we just look at it and say, well, the Raiders just aren't very good, or we just realize Joel Batonio is like a better version of Elton Jenkins, which is saying a lot. He has a 93.7 overall grade this season, 91.7 run blocking grade, 88.0 uh, uh, pass blocking grade. At left tackle, it was actually his best pass block. This is very similar to Elton Jenkins where you look at this and go, I don't think we can keep him at guard, dude. I mean, I know we drafted Jedrick Wills and all, but the dude's not very good anyways. And it's hard to pass up. If he can maintain this at left tackle, that's kind of crazy. Um, the only thing is he did drop off as a run blocker, 
So it was his number one pass blocking thing, but it was his like one of his lower run blocking grades. So it's just a kind of a different thing. But that changes things. And then so what are you doing at left guard? Well, Joel Batonio is leaving that spot. And presumably Michael Dunn is coming in. So Michael Dunn, so you're going from a uh, 93.7 Joel Petonio down to a 73 uh, Michael Dunn, 91.7 run blocking grade down to a 69, and 88 pass blocking grade down to a 74. That's a massive drop off at left guard. So you have an upgrade at left tackle, a downgrade at left guard, a downgrade at center, and a downgrade at right tackle. That's what Baker Mayfield is going up against, assuming he plays, because as far as I can tell, he's still on the COVID list. I guess Baker's furious because he doesn't have any symptoms and he can play, but presumably it's because he's still getting positive tests. Now, this is going to be a major point of contention, and I'll be honest, I'm not sure that Baker doesn't end up winning this argument in the end, where we actually start treating this, and and, and again, it's going to be a major thing that a lot, there's going to be a massive amount of pushback to this, but if this Omicron thing really is what everyone's saying it is, and that it's basically acting as a cold, I don't know why the NFL wouldn't protect itself by treating it like a cold, which is to say, if you don't have any symptoms, you go and you go to work. And if you have a cold, then you stay home because you're sick. People are going to push back because obviously that means there's going to be further spread because there's people who are positive that are going to be playing and they're going to be spreading and they're going to be spreading COVID. And just that sentence is going to panic people and cause them to go into a into convulsions because spreading COVID as of, you know, I mean, going back to what that meant for Delta, meant people are going to die. But again, if this is basically a cold, which by all available information, that's more or less what Omicron is. Not to say there won't be a different variant that's more dangerous, but everybody on planet Earth will be getting Omicron. This is the most transmissible virus that's that's out there right now. I think, what was it, 3 billion people are going to be getting this in the next in the next month or something, somebody said? So, I mean, I don't know. You got to do what you got to do. But the point is, if, if we're if we're going to continue this policy of testing everybody and you are in close contact, so we got to test you, we're just going to continue to see everybody's out. And it's going to ruin the playoffs. And it may ruin the Super Bowl. Now, it may do that anyways, because it's not, it's not impossible that somebody has symptoms. It's not impossible that Aaron Rodgers comes down with cold-like symptoms and then he's out of the game for, you know, the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship or whatever. But you're far less likely considering the vast majority, as has we've been told by all these people, the vast majority of everybody that's sitting out has no symptoms, zero symptoms. And the ones with symptoms are mild. There are no hospitalizations of coaches, of players, zero, not one. There's not even one person that I've heard that has severe symptoms. They're all unbelievably mild. They've got the sniffles with the vast majority completely fine. So again, it's going to be a tough sell to move to that point where we start treating this cold like a cold because it's called COVID, because we refuse to acknowledge that this variant is not the same as the old variants. I mean, we can acknowledge if it's a worse variant, like Delta was worse, so we need to take it more seriously. But whenever it's less serious, well, no, it's still COVID. We got to freak out like it's going to kill everybody. I don't know that's the most rational path. And it's not just about we need to save football. It's just there, there's no rational reason to treat this virus more dangerous than it is because it's scary to us to not treat COVID, quote unquote, like it's a scary thing. It's just, it's just irrational. We're just being irrational for the sake of being irrational. And the fact that some people are more scared of, of Omicron than, than they've ever been because it's so transmissible. What's transmissible, though? That's the thing. Getting the virus isn't scary. It's, it's what the virus can do to you that's scary. I don't care if it's a, a billion times more transmissible than the original COVID, and everybody's going to get it in about eight seconds because it travels at the speed of light, but it has no symptoms. That's not a thing to panic about. Like, it'll make you sneeze three times in a row, and then it's out of your system. 
Oh, you know what I mean? And that, and that's that's what that's kind of what everybody's facing right now. And nobody wants to be the first one to come out and be like, "Hey, uh, maybe we treat it like it is, and we don't treat this the same way we treated the other ones, which were more deadly." Nobody wants to be the one to do that because there's going to be a massive even what I'm saying right now is going to cause people to go into convulsions. How dare you suggest we do anything other than panic and hide and mask and shield and glove and sanitize our faces and wrap bags around our heads to hide from this new variant? Because that's how you're supposed to react to every bit of news about COVID. You need to panic and freak out and shut down and hide and rather than just look at it and go, dude, um, everybody's okay though. South Africa, where this originated, like 25% of them are vaccinated. Very low vaccination rates. Very low amount of death from this. The UK, just getting ravaged in terms of cases, not in terms of hospitalizations and death, which is the thing we should care about. Point is, this is good news. This is great news. If this holds, and this is just what it is, and this is now to the level of just being a seasonal cold, this is the best possible thing that could ever happen to us. I know eradication is still on some people's mind because you live in fantasy land, but the best possible outcome is that this becomes a a common cold. That would be freaking awesome because we get to go back to our lives tomorrow and it starts by organizations like the NFL treating it like a cold because that's what it is. And your workplace needs to treat it like a cold because that's what it is. If you feel sick, you stay home. If you don't feel sick, you go to work. That's it. That's the reality. There's no stopping the spread. There's no none of that. And there's no reason to. It's an impossible task that ruins everything for the sake of ruining everything, for the sake of, well, we need to do something. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's the best possible thing about Omicron is you have no other option but to just accept it. There is no stopping this. It is unbelievably psychotically transmissible. No amount of masking and distancing and shutting down is ever going to stop this thing. It's going to spread at lightning speed, and we're seeing it in the NFL. We're seeing it all across the country. We're seeing places like France and the UK having cases that are way higher than they've ever had in the history of this COVID pandemic. And it's going to spread everywhere, and it's on on the shores of America. It's spreading like a wildfire, and there is no hide. All we can do is accept it, and it's time to accept it. So in other words, Baker isn't wrong. Everyone's going to be mad at Baker, but Baker isn't wrong. If you don't have symptoms, you go to work. That's where we have to get because the only other alternative is shut everything down. And to be completely honest, the fact, if, if anybody that's mad at me right now, tell me one reason why the NFL should continue going on. As transmissible as this is, there is no justification for allowing tens of thousands of people to flock to these stadiums. By the way, the people that I see on Twitter who are screeching about how seriously they take COVID and how much they hate, they're going to Packer games. So don't spare me, all right? Spare me. You're helping spread this, especially as 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 low the symptoms are. There's a very good chance you have it, and you're going to be taking it to your Christmas parties. You're going to be taking it to Packer games. You're taking it to your friends' houses. You're taking it to work. You are spreading this everywhere. What right do you have to spread this all over? How dare you? Exactly. You can't and shouldn't be held. Nobody should have that amount of stress on themselves. It's ridiculous. And so again, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL eventually moves in that direction. The NBA is moving in that direction. They, the Whatever that guy's name is, he came out and basically was like, look, we got to start treating this for what it is. We've come a long way. COVID is not the same COVID. We've got to start treating this differently. And he's right, because the only other alternative is we keep treating this like every other version of COVID, and we shut down the NBA, we shut down the NFL, we shut down our society again. Because I'm sorry, shaming the unvaxxed just isn't going to cut it this time. It's not good enough. It's not going to work. No amount of vaccines, boosters, and masks are going to stop this from spreading to everybody. So you got two options. We can treat it like a cold or we can shut it all down. That's it. I choose the former. Accept it.
There's no reason to wrap your identity in this stuff. Again, this, this is the exact same thing I was talking about with why nobody will ever acknowledge Matt LaFleur is a good coach and Kyle Shanahan is not that good of a coach because their identity has been wrapped up in years of making fun of Matt LaFleur and years of praising Kyle Shanahan and they just can't let it go. Nobody wants to admit I've been wrong for a long time about this situation. And so they can't let it go. And so we got to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into this. It's, it's absurd. If you're sick, you say, it's, it's the freaking cold. We've been living with this our entire lives. We know how to handle this. If you're sick, you don't go to work. If you're not sick, you go to work. You don't take random tests to see if I have this cold. Maybe I have a cold and I just don't know it. I don't know. I'm, I, am I supposed to go to employee health and be like, I'm feeling fine. Can I just get a test though? I just want to make sure I don't spread this, this very weak nothing virus to my coworkers. That's never happened in the history of the world. Why would we do that? You wouldn't. But anyways, we'll see how it goes. I don't think anyone's going to be jumping out in the front of the line saying this. And again, Baker's saying it, and I'm sure he's getting absolutely crucified for saying it. Because how dare you think that you should be allowed to live your life with COVID? And granted, now that you've tested and you know you have it, you probably shouldn't go, right? I'm not saying if, if you have it, but you're fine, you should go, because you have it. But we shouldn't be testing everybody. Because if you test everyone, you're going to find out everybody has it. <laughs> I mean, right now at my work, the entire engineering department is gone. If, if, you're, if there's a plumbing issue, an HVAC issue, the hospital's just not going to make it because everybody's going, you know why? Because when somebody has it, they have to test everybody else. Turns out everybody had it. So now we don't have an engineering department. Every single one of them is fine and they can come to work and they can work. And I would bet if we just went through and did everybody at the hospital needs to test, we would, we would be so unbelievably short. And that's the point. If you test everybody in the world right now, the whole world comes to a screeching halt because a lot, like millions of people have it and they don't know they have it. I don't think we need to test everybody every day to find the people that have it so they can stay home and be, be basically fine at home. And we have no teachers, we have no doctors, we have no nurses, we have no daycares, we have no truck drivers. I mean, it's, it's silliness. It really is. We need a new plan for this new virus. And until we get some people that are actually willing to say hard things and be big boys and big girls and say things that make people uncomfortable, we're just going to keep making bad decisions because nobody wants to say the hard things, which it's, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it right now. It's not hard to say. It's, it's called common sense. This is unsustainable, period, unsustainable. Do you see how many teams are crippled right now? That's never going to stop until we decide to change the, the, the way that we're doing this. And again, the NFL took a small step in that direction. They're going to have to take a bigger step in that direction with the playoffs coming up. I think they're going to wait it out because they're going to hope that maybe this thing calms down, you know, if, if COVID kind of runs through everything. But the model I saw had the U.S. kind of getting hit last. And I was kind of upset to see that Wisconsin in particular was hit last. <laughs> I was watching as every single state and country got colored in, and Wisconsin was literally one of the last places to get hit by this in like late January. I was like, oh, come on, don't tell me that. Super Bowl time, Wisconsin's turn. Where you at, Aaron Rodgers? Not that those models are 100% trustworthy, but that's kind of where we're at right now. <sighs> Anyways, now that I've upset you on uh, Christmas Eve, what other little tidbits before we get into the Browns a little bit further here? Here, I saved this. Um, this was from yesterday, so the 23rd. 46 players went on the COVID list yesterday. They all tested positive. The list includes Dalvin Cook, Taysom Hill, Trevor Simeon, and Joe, uh, Joe Flacco, and Akeem Hicks. Uh, the tweet right before that, these are both Tom Pelissero. That brings the total of 320 NFL players that have tested positive for COVID since the start of last week. 320 players. He goes on to say the, the majority have little or no symptoms. When I say this is unsustainable, if we're going to lose 300 players, Per week or per two weeks or whenever, I don't know when the timeline starts and finishes, 
that is definitionally unsustainable. And you know, I mean, we're hitting some key players. We haven't hit the key players yet. What are the Patriots when Bill Belichick gets this? What are the Packers when Aaron Rodgers gets this? What are the Chiefs when Pat Mahomes gets this? And these are these are playoff teams, and we're not in the playoffs yet. It's going to happen. And, and again, I just don't like this halfway thing. Well, we have to take it seriously. Okay, so we, should we shut down the NFL? Should we stop allowing fans? Well, no, we can't do that. That would be crazy. We have to have tens of thousands of people flailing in the stands. We just think if you have a sniffle, you you know, or even if you don't, if you were next to somebody that tested positive that we shouldn't have even tested anyway, then um, they should all just not play because that'll save us all. I just It's so stupid. But again, the, the change that you saw from the NFL, this is via Mike Garofolo. Fully vaccinated, asymptomatic players are no longer testing weekly anymore. It's now targeted testing, meaning symptomatic individuals, which again, makes sense. That's the direction we should be heading. However, unvaccinated individuals are still testing daily, and I don't know if they're, first of all, that doesn't make any sense, but whatever. It really, I mean, it, it just, it doesn't. You should not be testing unvaccinated individuals daily. Why? Well, because they're unvaccinated. So what? Well, the, if they get it, they can spread it. So does everybody. What does that have to do with being unvaccinated? I mean, it, it used to be true that if you were unvaccinated, you, you were trying to protect you, and that, even that's kind of stupid, but okay. But what is this about? What does this solve? What is one problem this solves? How does this stop the vaccinated from getting this virus? It doesn't. It doesn't solve a single thing. And again, I, I, I think this has always just been about shaming the unvaccinated into getting vaccinated. If you're unvaccinated, you're going to hurt your team because not only are we going to catch you when you get it, because you're probably, you know, when Rogers gets it, he'll be asymptomatic, but they're going to catch him because he has to test daily. And then he's going to be out and they're going to keep him up for an extended period of time. And everybody's going to be mad at him and shame him because he's unvaccinated rather than looking at the people that should be blamed for this, the NFL, who should never had this rule to begin with. Doesn't make any sense. What is the point of it? Who are you helping? You're helping Rogers. He, he, he caught a cold and has no symptoms, and he needs to stay away from the team for 10 days or two weeks or whatever it is. Who does that help? Doesn't help Rodgers, doesn't help the team, doesn't help the NFL, doesn't help his teammate. Well, then he could spread it. So what? He probably caught it from somebody in the locker room that has it and is currently spreading it. This doesn't make sense. You know it doesn't make sense. Stop it. This is stupid. This is just for show. This is all fake. This is all fake. If Aaron Rodgers tests positive, it's probably because he caught it from somebody else in the locker room who's vaccinated and is currently spreading it. Not to mention, again, these, these you want to talk about super spreader events. Every single Sunday we have football games. There are millions of people that flock to NFL stadiums. Millions. Add up all the stadiums. Millions of people just, just flinging COVID. Flinging it. And after they catch it and spread it in the stadiums, they go back to hotels and spread it. They spread it in the taxis. They spread it on the airplanes. They spread it everywhere. But Aaron Rodgers is the bad guy. Okay. All right. I get it. Understood. Makes complete sense. This is so stupid. But again, this is this is the thing that's great about Omicron is it just, it takes all the, the nonsense away. Well, if you're unvaccinated, you're more likely to spread it. Really? At this point, as, as unbelievably psychotically highly transmissible this thing is, if you're vaccinated and you have it, you will spread it. You are spreading it. It's no longer, well, it's it's less likely. BS. You are a, a super spreader hotspot. It's just pouring off of you. So all of the nonsense goes bye-bye with Omicron. And it's time to start acting responsibly, period. It's time to grow up. Time to move on. I doubt they'll ever get rid of that rule, but they should because it doesn't make sense. It's never made sense. All right, why don't we... Go ahead and take a break. We'll do our best to kind of look at the Browns roster. We'll just kind of rip through that really quickly, um, kind of as it is, I guess. 
seems like PFF has done a fairly good job of updating it. So I'll start with that and try to cross-reference and make sure that the people that are there are there. For example, they do have Miles Garrett here, although he is questionable. We'll see how that goes. But anyways, we'll take a break and oh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you want to support the podcast, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bells will be ringing This sad, sad news Oh, what a Christmas To have the blues My baby's gone I have no friend To wish me greeting Once again Did I mention it was? Uh, I mentioned it was Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody! Um, I was kind of sad when I realized I didn't like do anything Christmassy, but um, I'm gonna try to do a um, try to do a podcast tomorrow. But it's gonna be tough because we're going out of town for Christmas Eve today, and then home, and then obviously bright and early tomorrow. I've got uh, Christmas duties, but it is kind of a tradition. I don't know if I've ever missed a Christmas for the podcast, so. Might just have to suck it up and wake up super early so I can do that. I mean, it's it's also game day, so it's it's I can't miss it for game day slash Christmas day. Um, anyways, I figured I better get some Christmas music. By the way, that, for some reason that song was on my mind. I was like, let's let's play that song. It's a good one. And um, I saw a version by the Eagles, and I'm like, dude, the Eagles did this song. I guess we'll listen to it. It's probably gonna suck. And I listened to it. And I'm like, isn't this just the version? 
And so there's like the original, like old school on vinyl sounding. You can hear the popping and everything in the background. Um, and then I listened to it. I'm like, dude, this is, uh, this is, I definitely know the song. I did not know it was the Eagles. That's pretty cool and sad that I didn't know. Anyways, um, real quick injury report before we go through the roster. David Bakhtiari, Ty Summers, Malik Taylor, and Billy Turner are all out for this game. I don't know any long-term stuff for these guys. I'm done uh, guessing. I have a a hunch and a hope that next week is going to be a very good week for people coming back. Um, If Jair does not, then he's just done for the year. For the Cleveland Browns, again, COVID is the biggest thing for them. How many people come back? That's going to be the biggest question mark, but... Uh, John Johnson, the safety, is officially out, so them getting Grant Delpit back was pretty big. We'll talk about, obviously, that, uh, how good he is, et cetera, et cetera. But John Johnson has been a good safety for a while. I don't exactly know where he's at at this point in his career, but I definitely recognize him as a good safety. Um, Otherwise, it's Miles Garrett and Malik Jackson are questionable. Those are both pretty key pieces, um, both along the defensive line. if you were to look at their strengths, it's the trenches, right? It's the offensive line and it's the defensive line, primarily Miles Garrett, but Malik Jackson is a is also a factor in there. Um, otherwise, it seems like the other guys on this list will be fine. Harrison Bryant, Sion Takitaki, David Njoku, and Denzel Ward. Obviously, Denzel Ward is a big piece of what they do. I think Browns fans overrate him, but we don't need to get into that. That was... I learn all these little things and get to know the fan base a little bit from when I was doing NFL draft stuff and mock drafts. Um, I actually had them picking up a corner and they would lose their mind because, you know, Denzel Ward is an elite corner and all that stuff. And then they end up picking up a corner. So that was, that was funny. I really wish I was able to do this full time so I could dedicate more time to the draft so I could look at that more regularly and do more videos and then just say haha to one of the things I'd love to do is go back and find comments of people calling me stupid for saying certain things. And then showing like that draft pick, like all the comments about them trashing me for saying that they should draft a corner and then flash to them picking a corner. I don't know. I'm petty that way, man. I can't help it. It's probably actually a terrible idea to pick out the people that actually watch my videos and make fun of them, but it's what I do, man. I can't help it. It's how I roll. I mean, let's be honest. The, the, that's pretty much what the top people do anyways, right? I mean, Mike Florio he puts out content, and then when he's not putting out content, he's just mocking everybody and, and screaming at everybody. It's it's almost part of what they do. They they put out a take that they know people are going to say are stupid. I think, uh, what's his name? The, the guy's... There's the super trolly ones that just say stupid stuff on purpose, but that's the goal. I'm going to say stupid stuff and then get a bunch of negative comments and then just, you know, trash you on my show. Anyways, uh, we talked about their offensive line already. The quarterback situation, very similar to last week, makes a big difference. I don't know if he's playing or not. I would assume he is, but maybe he's not. He hasn't come back yet. Somewhat hilariously, uh, Nick Mullins was the uh, the backup in Week 15 against the Raiders. He graded out at a 69.2 overall. Baker Mayfield right now is at a 67. So uh, Nick Mullins is uh, technically performing better than Baker Mayfield. Now, <sighs> Again, it's it's so ridiculously similar to last week where it's like, ha-ha, you don't have your main quarterback, but your backup actually has been pretty good, and you've been really struggling. That was exactly the case with Lamar. Lamar was in a big-time slump, and although it seemed silly to say that the backup would be better, and I didn't go that route because I, I, I still don't think that's the case, plus small sample size for the backup and everything, but it's kind of like, well, on one hand, it's ridiculous to say Nick Mullins is better than make Baker Mayfield, but if we assume Baker is in a slump, and he is, even like an average quarterback is going to be better than just completely falling apart Baker Mayfield. 
Now, Baker did have a decent last game against Baltimore. They had back-to-back games against Baltimore week 14 after the bye. So maybe he was dealing with some injury type stuff and he came back healthy after the bye. I don't really know. Maybe he was just due a good game. Who knows? But he started off the season. I'll just rip through this real quick. 75, 66, 76, 49, 74, 60, 71, and 89.8. So 90. So, I mean, that's that's a good stretch. I would guess his overall grade is probably like an 81 or something in that stretch. I can find out, but it, it's not that. Well, no, I will. Let's do that. Nope, it was a 76. So he did have a couple bad games mixed in. He had a 60 overall, a 66 overall, and then a 49 against Minnesota. But overall, 76 overall grade. Since that time, since week 10, Baker Mayfield has a 51 overall grade and is the, uh, let's see, passing grade. Lamar Jackson, dead last, Mike Glennon, Davis Mills, and then Baker Mayfield. So that's kind of what we've been... So Baker has been one of the worst quarterbacks in football since then. So that's kind of my dilemma. Nick Mullins, even if he's not a 69 overall grade, he's actually worse than that. I don't know that he's worse than Baker has been recently because he's been about as bad as you can get. So I... I I don't know. I, I I still would prefer Nick Mullins because we know Baker at his best is better than Nick Mullins at his best. And also Nick Mullins is not like what we faced last week, which was a mobile quarterback that when things are breaking down, and by the way, that, that kind of opens up a whole lot of other things. I, I saw a thread and I did not save it because I'm stupid. Let's see if it's still on my phone. Hopefully it was the last thing I read and it didn't go away. Ah, it's still there. I'm a genius. <gasps> oh, it just went away, but I found it. Click on it. Click on it. No. Why do you do that? I try to click on it, and then it's like, oh, here's an ad I want to pop up, and then I clicked an ad. Anyways, I just want to read through this really quickly, just because it kind of gives you an idea. It's very sort of off topic, but it's going to elaborate on this one particular point I'm making. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I'll save it for tomorrow. It's going to be too much, because I'm going to end up ranting the rest of the day, and I want to get through this roster. But the, the, the point of it was, and let me bookmark this so I don't forget it for tomorrow, um... Sam Holman is uh, probably somebody you guys should be following on Twitter. Coach Hahn pointed him out to me. Um, he only has 227 followers, so be one of the first to follow the guy because he's... I, I, I mentioned this to you, by the way, about Dara, right? I told you a long time ago, you need to follow this guy, Dara. Get it? I think I tweeted it um, a long time ago. Start following him now because you're going to get in it eventually. Now he's got like... He's way more followers than I have. Sam Holman's going to be another one. Sam Holman is a really good... Um, he's kind of like Coach Hahn. But he's just, he does a lot of breakdowns and stuff on Twitter. So it's his it's his handle is at Sam underscore D Holman, H-O-L-M-A-N. So S-A-M underscore D-H-O-L-M-A-N. He does a lot of really good breakdowns um, from a coaching perspective of, you know, things like concepts and everything. It's kind of like a, a Dusty. He's a, an additional Dusty. But point is, he did a break, a full breakdown of, the quote-unquote defensive failures in that game, and really just said it was a matchup issue. And a lot of it really had to do with um, them having a mobile quarterback. When they have a mobile quarterback, there's certain things you want to do to spy the quarterback. And the problem is whenever the Packers tried to spy him, they killed us, especially with a tight end. Because, you know, the, the they stressed our linebacker, right? You can't sit and watch the quarterback and cover one of the best tight ends in football, and that's what they forced us to do. And when we started shading more toward the tight end, we started getting gashed more by... Um, the quarterback and, and, and not having Kenny in that place also is problematic because that allows you to have a lighter front to do more things on the back end. But when you start going light up front and you don't have Kenny, you're going to get gashed. And when you go heavy up front to compensate for Kenny and this mobile quarterback, you're going to get gashed on the back end. So anyways, that was the point. But Nick Mullins is not that guy. So that's going to free up our defense to be able to, I mean, and that's true of Baker as well. It's going to be a real relief to not have a mobile quarterback for once. Um, 
so that we can kind of just free ourselves up to do what it is we normally do. We don't have to allocate certain resources to just watching out for this guy taking off. Justin Fields was very similar. And it's not great. I mean, it's not great that we have a defense that's being stressed by that. I think most defenses are, but basically at our best, we have a certain way of running defense. And if we have to allocate resources to something else, it really just kind of hurts what it is we do. So um, I do expect somewhat of a, of a resurgence of our defense in this game because we can play more, I don't want to say vanilla, but back to just our our style of defense. But again, if, if I had to pick a quarterback, it would be Nick Mullins just because he's, he doesn't have a very high ceiling and Baker does. Baker can play, he can play a really trash game and he can play a really bad game. And I just think because we're the better team, I would rather roll the dice with the guy that's going to be kind of mediocre than rolling the dice with the guy that might be, might just tank the game for the whole team himself, Baker, or he might just play some heroic football, especially like we talked about yesterday with the whole, you know, every team giving you your best shot. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you get the best of the best from Baker because it's the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau, et cetera, et cetera. Oh man, Christmas Day Lambeau. If only there was snow. Is there? There's not going to be snow, right? It's getting kind of warm up here. It's not supposed to. It's cold enough. I mean, it's it's high 20s, low 30s, kind of in that range, but it's not supposed to snow. Now, the other thing to keep an eye on is they also have Case Keenum on the team. Case Keenum, however, is on this COVID list. Case Keenum was uh, put on December 17th, so maybe there's a chance that he can kind of pull it off, but... Um, He's been the worst quarterback of the entire group. He played in three games, has a 56 overall grade. His best grade was a 60.9. So he's, either way, I, I don't care. Give me whoever you got. It's It's been pretty rough at the quarterback position. Baker gives them the best shot of having a good day. I don't know that the other two really have, have that much in them. But um, either way, it's it's been rough. Taking a look at their running backs, um, the... By far, their number one is Nick Chubb. He's at 190 carries. The next highest is Kareem Hunt at 78. Kareem Hunt, their number two running back, is on that COVID list. So that's another one that's kind of going to be hurting them. Um, as far as the grades go, uh, they're pretty much graded similarly. Um, there's also a guy by the name of Dearness Johnson. He's going to be taking that number two role. He's actually somebody to keep an eye on. He has an 86 overall grade, 91.4 rushing grade. Um, he was a 2019 undrafted free agent. It's probably fake. I mean, for the most part, the only reason he's graded that way is because he has his two, the two games where he played the most, he graded out as elite. The next game where he played a lot, um, 72. So his, his best games have been the ones where he's played a bunch. So, uh, 5'10", 207, 5.2 yards per carry. I mean, he's, he's been kind of crushing it, but I, I can't help but feel like it's, it's fake. Um, he had a 56 overall grade in 2019, a 65 overall grade in 2020, and now he's supposedly an elite running back as a 2019 undrafted free agent. I mean, it is 83 snaps, 340 yards, two touchdowns, a fumble. I don't, I don't know, I don't know, man. But that's going to be their number two, and and I guess we'll just be on keep an eye out for Dearness Johnson because grade wise, he's by far their best running back and is one of the better running backs in football. Otherwise, uh, again, Nick Chubb is going to be the main guy. Chubb has always been a good running back, but he hasn't been having exactly the best season he's ever had. I believe Chubb is another pro bowler. And again, it's it's largely not necessarily saying he's not deserving. Maybe he is. But a lot of this has to do with the fact that for 2018, 19, and 2020, his first three years in the NFL, he's been clearly one of the best in football. A lot of that maybe has to do with his offensive line, possibly. I don't know. This year, he's having a down year, though, 78 overall, which is good, but nowhere near as good. Um, as far as his his overall grades, he's only had one, two, three, four, five that are in the 70s, one in the 80s. That's it. 
Otherwise, 69, 67, 66, 56, 55, and 48. And in fact, his last three weeks haven't even been that impressive. Uh, 48, 70, and 67. Again, probably a lot of that has to do with the offensive line starting to flail is causing some problems for him. Um, in those games, two yards per attempt, where he had uh, nine carries or uh, nine snaps, eight attempts for 16 yards against Baltimore. That's obviously horrific. 17 attempts for 59 yards, 3.5 yard average, and then 23 attempts, 91 yards is a four yard average and one touchdown in that game. So it wasn't until they just ran him into the ground with 23 carries and he still didn't even get to 100 yards and he only had one touchdown in the game. That was against Las Vegas. And again, without Baker, they just leaned into the run and it was working enough. I mean, four yards per carry isn't bad, but it's definitely not dominant. Um, even if you look at his yards after contact, I mean, he's got some games in here that are just incredible. Against Cincinnati, 8.7, 6.3 against the Chargers, 5.4 against Houston. Um, the last several weeks, 3.4, 1.7, 3.1, 3.3. So he's, he's a, he is a good running back. I'm not trying to take that away from him, but he's he's not the same guy he has been in years one, two, and three. It's been somewhat of a down year. And again, a lot of it probably has to do with the dysfunction um, there's a lot of factors. The offensive line taking a slight step back due to injury and COVID. Um, losing your wide receivers and, and a decline in production from your quarterback um, means that nobody's scared of the passing game, meaning you can load up the box a little bit more, right? The main focus is probably going to be Nick Chubb until we can until they can prove this quarterback who is not very good at football, who's throwing to wide receivers that are not very good at football can beat us. That's going to be the Browns' challenge first and foremost. Looking at their uh, receivers, including their tight ends, Jarvis Landry is their top receiver. This is a guy they're hoping to get back. He is on the COVID list, but he went on December 14th. Again, that was 10 days ago. Um, So we'll have to see. If he's out, that's a pretty big blow because, again, that is their wide receiver one. Now, in terms of grades, um, he is their wide receiver. Let's see, one, two, three, four. Now, not technically because Odell Beckham is on there and but you could also say that they have one, two, two tight ends, a halfback, and a fullback that are ahead of him. He's technically eighth on this list in terms of receiving grade. He's not having a very good year, um, but he is still their number one in terms of targets, which may be part of the the cause for dysfunction. I, I did that one thing where I looked at your the top players and how they grade and all that stuff, and generally there's a correlation between who your number one guy is in terms of snaps and, and all that stuff. Um, and who your best guy is, because you want to give your best guy the most. But occasionally, that's not the case. And this is one of those situations where Jarvis Landry is is definitely their number one guy, but he doesn't play like it. Um, You know, Jarvis, he's only 29. I was gonna say he's getting pretty old. This is pretty, this is a pretty big drop. There's a lot of issues here. There really are a lot of issues and dysfunction. I don't know if it all centers on Baker. I I doubt it. Because again, Baker didn't start falling off until, I don't know, a while ago. Well, I, I can tell you exactly what the problem is here. Anyways, Real quick, here are his grades since 2014. 78, 87, 84, 79, 74, 78, 84. Right now, 63. 80s and 70s since 2014, right now, 63. One very obvious thing, um, his first three weeks weren't bad, 77, 86, 69. They moved him into the slot, presumably after Odell Beckham came back. His grades since moving to the slot, 52, 39, 57, 61, 68. Now, they did move him back outside against Baltimore, 62 overall grade, but... Um, that ain't working. He also was out from weeks uh, three, four, five, and six, and week thirteen. Presumably, one of those was a buy. I, I, it would have been thirteen because it was Baltimore week thirteen buy, and then Baltimore again. Um, 
but he was out for a while with injury, so he might have. But the the point is, the guy's not performing at a high level. Jarvis Landry is not a, a top ten guy. He's not a top twenty guy. He's not even a number one receiver guy. He's he's a he's a low end number two type of wide receiver right now. He has thirty eight receptions for three hundred ninety seven yards and a touchdown. I mean, he's 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 basically Alan Lazard with less touchdowns. Alan Lazard has twenty seven receptions, three hundred twenty one yards, and four touchdowns. And Alan Lazard also missed some time. Uh, not as much time, but he missed a couple of games. Point is, that's he's playing on Alan Lazard's level right now, and Alan Lazard is really, really not playing very well. Uh, potentially some negative news here. Uh, their next two top receivers, not necessarily best receivers, are their tight ends, and we had a problem with that last week. These guys are nowhere near the level of Andrews, just to be clear, but it is worth noting they got two guys that they like to target a lot. Um, looking at targets, Jarvis, 57. The next two highest, Austin Hooper, 48. David Njoku, 45. And then you got Donovan Peoples-Jones, 43. And then there's a pretty big drop-off after that because it was Odell Beckham who's gone. And then Rashard Higgins, 32. So from 43 down to 30. So your top guy is Jarvis. Then you've got your next tier, which is Hooper, Njoku, and Donovan Peoples-Jones. But looking at the tight ends, Austin Hooper has a 66 overall grade, only a 64 receiving grade. He has 291 yards and three touchdowns. So um, not the most dominant in the world. He also has a 55 pass blocking grade, so he's not a very good blocker either. Um, I'm not saying he's a non-factor. It's something we got to account for. I mean, if if they want to throw to, I mean, it's kind of like I say with MVS, it's just the threat of it that's going to cause you to change your defense. I mean, you you can say the guy's not very good, but if you let him get behind you, it's going to be a touchdown. So you have to account for him whether you want to or not. Same with, with guys like Njoku and Austin Hooper. If we don't want to have to get our guys tied up and covering tight ends, if we don't want to have to drop a safety and, and cover a tight end or a linebacker to cover a tight end, the Colts, or the, the Colts, the, the Browns are going to say too bad. We're going to make you do that. And that may change the structure of our defense, which gets us away from what we want to do, which could be problematic. But ultimately, this is not as dominant. So if we've got Savage or Amos or whoever on them, um, there should be more success. I'll just say that. Uh, after that, you got David Njoku, and Joku's actually having the best year he's ever had, unfortunately. I've always liked Njoku. I liked him coming out of college. He was a guy I wanted, did not have a ton of success, first three years in particular. Um, but in 2020, he had a bit of a, a step up, 70 overall grade, 279 yards isn't great, but he didn't play all that much anyways, two touchdowns. This year so far, 75 overall grade, 75 receiving grade, um, and a 73 pass blocking grade. So um, the blocking and receiving is getting there. He's got 30 receptions, 436 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, not the scary. He's only had two guy, two games where he kind of took over Kansas City, 76 yards. And then his best game was against the Chargers, 149 and a touchdown. Otherwise, his next highest was 39 yards. Um, and then 35 yards and a touchdown against Baltimore. So he's not, not that it can't happen. He did have one big day and leave it to the Packers to give him, you know, similar to Andrews, David Njoku, 150 yards, two touchdowns. But that's just kind of where they're at. And, and again, if, if Jarvis doesn't play in particular, it's going to be a lot of the tight ends. Um, otherwise, Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of, I mean, I guess he's wide receiver one, especially with Jarvis out. Um, if Jarvis plays, he's still wide receiver two, so you got to account for him. I don't, I don't even know what the structure is with, with Jarvis out. But uh, Peoples-Jones, 68 overall grade, nothing super dominant, 70 basically receiving grade. Um, 27 receptions, 478 yards and three touchdowns. So, uh, you know, he's, I don't know, MVS, not quite. I, I, it's put Lazard and MVS on a team with Baker Mayfield. And, and that's kind of what we're dealing with. Not in terms of what exactly they can do, but just in terms of their general production, that's kind of the Browns right now. I mean, they're, they're, they're four and six after winning against Minnesota in, uh, 
in October. So, I mean, they, they've definitely been struggling. They're, they're kind of, I mean, literally been win-loss every other week. It was, I mean, they lost to the Chargers and lost to Cardinals, but after that it was, it was loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Now, technically, win is next, so we'll see what happens, but uh, it's also worth noting that they are 2-4 and four on the road. They've had mostly home games, and they've got a, a, a pretty much all road games coming up, Green Bay Packers, Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, yeah, they beat the Vikings in Minnesota. They beat Cincinnati, which is a division rival. Otherwise, they lost to Baltimore, New England, the Chargers, and the Chiefs on the road so far. And I don't need to remind you of the Packers' record at home. So they got a bunch of other guys. Um, I mentioned uh, Richard Higgins is another guy. Um, Harrison Bryant is another tight end. He doesn't grade out super well. He's got 23 targets, uh, 222 yards, and a touchdown, but another tight end to keep in. It kind of reminds me of the old school Eagles a little bit. Good offensive line, heavy with the tight ends, not super dominant wide receivers, mediocre quarterback, and then, you know, good defensive line. I mean, this is this is the old Eagles. By old, I mean, I don't know, three, four years ago or whatever. Not like the super good version, but kind of like after they were super good and then loaded up on a bunch of tight ends, that version. Um, I did mention Felton, Demetric Felton, another guy to keep an eye on. He's He's been, he's got a 76 overall grade, and that was after, you know, his first week or week two, but his first week, 98.7 overall grade. People probably completely freaked out about it. He does also have another 90 over. So they got a couple guys that are like once in a while, they just go off. So you got to be careful. But he was actually, through week nine, just absolutely dominant. He only had one bad game, and he basically didn't even play in that game. Um, But since week, let's say, he went out, I guess, week 10, because that wasn't their bye. So he was injured in week 10. He came back week 11. Since then, maybe a massive injury, I don't know, 47, 29, 53, 53. He's been abysmal since that whatever happened. So kind of keep an eye on Felton. He's a slot guy. Maybe that's how they were able to push uh, Jarvis back out with Demetric being inside a little bit more, but that would be the only sort of wild card to keep an eye on. So again, Dearness Johnson is a running back to kind of wild card watch out for. Demetric Felton is the wild card wide receiver to keep an eye on. He'll probably be their slot guy, number 25. Anyways, flipping over to the defense now, not surprisingly, Miles Garrett is by far their best player. Second best player as a 78 overall grade Denzel Ward. Miles Garrett with a 92 overall. I mean, Miles Garrett's Miles Garrett, man. He's, he's, he's Khalil Mack. He's, uh, He's Von Miller. I mean, he's just a guy that's that's at the top and is just going to stay at the top. Um, he's going to be doing this for years. 80, 86, 86, 86, and 92. Uh, it's actually relatively low considering those 80s, but it, it just statistically, he's a freak. He grades out as a freak. He doesn't have bad days. His lowest grade was week one, 69 overall grade. Um, he just, he doesn't miss, man. Uh, even last week, presumably he was dealing with this injury then also, 81 overall grade. He had six pressures, no sacks, but six pressures is a is a solid game. He is questionable, so we got to keep an eye on that, but um, I'm assuming he's going to play. Other guys along that defensive front, uh, Miles Garrett is the one that's out there the most with as far as snap counts. Jadavian Clowney is number two. Again, uh, good chance that he's not going to be playing. He does only have a 67 overall grade and a 63 pass rush grade, but you look at 44 pressures on 360 attempts and seven sacks. The guy's been disruptive. Um, kind of put him in that Rashawn Gary category where the grades aren't great, but he gets the job done. So it's probably a little bit, you know, he either has good plays or bad plays. He's either getting home or he's playing kind of poorly. But I'm I'm more worried about the negative plays than, than consistently decent play. And a guy that's just massively disruptive, even if he's kind of bad the rest of the game, those are the things that can really ruin you. And, and that's what Jadavian's been doing. 
Um, again, I don't know that he's going to be out, but he just went on the COVID list the 19th, so there's a good chance he will not be playing. Uh, the next edge on the list is way down here at Tack McKinley. Unfortunately for the Browns, he literally just tore his ACL against the Raiders. So just so we're clear, their number one edge rusher, Miles Garrett, is questionable to play. J- their number two edge rusher, Jadavian Clowney, is currently on the COVID list. Their number three edge rusher, Takaris McKinley, who has 25 pressures on 214 attempts, three sacks, um, just tore his ACL, so he's out. That leaves Joe Jackson um, next on the list. Joe has played in 11 games, uh, only 148 snaps. Uh, He has three pressures on 80 attempts, which is about as bad as I think I've ever seen in my entire life. He does have two sacks, though. So if you look at sack-to-pressure ratio, it's probably not that bad. But um, three pressures on 80 attempts is uh, is really bad. I mean, it, it should be closer to eight. Just as a baseline, you should have eight pressures. After that, you have Fetty Odenigbo, three pressures on 56 attempts. Porter Gustin, two pressures on 32 attempts. Um, and that's it. So you've got some guys that, that do really well, and every single one of them is, as of right now, out. And I'm actually surprised at how pessimistic the news is about Miles Garrett. Usually it's should be good to go, but questionable kind of thing. Um, everything I'm seeing is kind of, you know, eh, I don't know. It's not looking great kind of thing. And actually, it does look like, I was wondering if this is a lingering thing. He actually just got hurt on Monday against the Raiders. So that is going to be probably part of the pessimism is this is a this is a brand new injury. And uh, he did not practice all week. So, I mean, either way, even if he plays, he's had no practice and it's going to be a lingering issue. I mean, if, if he had no pain and was completely fine, he would have been practicing. So it's going to be slowing him down. So, I mean, that that game against the Raiders was pretty brutal um, to lose Miles Garrett for a short time, to Karis, to Karis McKinley for the entire season. And uh, again, Clowney is also questionable. So it's entirely possible Clowney comes back and Miles Garrett comes back, and that's a nightmare. But it's also possible neither of those guys are playing. And their number one edge rusher is going to end up being Joe Jackson and Fetty Odenigbo, uh, who have combined for six pressures so far this season. I mean, that's, that, is, that is unbelievably brutal, especially against a white-hot Aaron Rodgers that is just picking people apart. If you are not able to bring pressure, you're in big trouble. Um, as far as the interior, uh, Malik Jackson is their top guy. Uh, I mentioned that it's kind of a big deal. You know, Miles is the main guy, but Malik Jackson is also a big deal. He's also questionable in this game. He was limited on Thursday, so he's trending in the right direction. So it's much more likely uh, or probably a much more positive feel for him. However, Malik Jackson has not been having <laughs> a very good year. This team cannot catch a break, man. Um Yeah, Malik Jackson, who's now 32 years old. I mean, to be fair, uh, now that I look at his grades, Malik Jackson hasn't really been good since 2017. So that's fair. But he had a big drop off from 2017 to 2018. 2018, he had a bad year with Jacksonville. He had a 61 overall grade compared to his consistent like 70, 80 seasons. And so they're like, all right, enough of this. So they got rid of him. Philly's like, dude, I'll take him. It's Malik Jackson. Because that's what you do when the guy's got a big name. It's like, he probably just had a down year. He'll be fine. Picked him up in Philly. Injury-riddled season, only played 32 snaps. They're like, well, he's hurt, so he's probably fine. He played again in Philly, 64 overall grade. So really, it was a 61, then a 64, and they're like, yeah, this isn't really like 75 Malik Jackson anymore. We'll probably move on. 
Cleveland picks him up. He's at a 47 overall grade right now. He's not even average. It's 47. His, he had one good game the entire year. One. And it was week four against Minnesota. Man, Minnesota just got the worst of every, every The only good games that these guys had, for the most part, everybody had a good game against Minnesota. It's crazy. Um, literally, that was his only good game. The only other games that were mediocre, weeks one and two. Outside of weeks one and two, and then four, which was his one good game, 29, 36, 53, 62, 38, 54, 46, 58, 52, 42, and 61. Basically, if he's average, that's a great day for him. He has 23 pressures on 369 attempts. He only has one sack on the season. So he may not play, and if he does, I kind of hope he does because he's horrible. 46 run defense grade, 29 tackling, 55 pass rush are his grades. I was I was a little bit off when I said that that makes it. I mean, it does because, again, and this is maybe a bit of a coaching issue for this team because there's so many, so many situations I'm looking at where their number one guy should not be their number one guy. They're putting guys like Jarvis out at the number. It's it's almost like they're giving them respect because of their name. Um, and maybe they did that because that was just sort of the culture. You got Jarvis and Odell, and they just demand respect, and they don't deserve it. They're, Jarvis is not your best receiver. He should not be uh, your number one guy. Um, Malik Jackson, I know, I know the name. I know he's a big-name guy. He's one of your worst defensive tackles, dude. Uh, he's 32 years old. He doesn't have it anymore. Outside of that, Malik McDowell is the number two. Well... Malik McDowell is on the COVID list. So you've got one of your top defensive tackles is injured. One of your top defensive tackles is on the COVID list. He went on December 2015. So he's one of the guys that's uh, more likely to come back. But again, even if he does 49 overall grade, 48 run defense, 68 pass rush, he has 24 pressures on 319 attempts. That's sub 10%. That's bad. It's just bad. Um, Malik McDowell, by the way, is a guy that uh, I really liked in college. I shouldn't say I liked him. I didn't really like him in college. He was he was a wrecking ball, though. He just gets in and just blows stuff up. He just takes the guy in front of him and just wrecks his world, but he's just reckless. Uh, but he got picked up by Seattle, ends up getting into some ATV accident. All kinds of weird stuff was going on. Some teams would pick him up, and then he wouldn't play. And finally, he went to Cleveland, and he's actually playing, and he's not very good. So I don't know. After that, because we still don't have anyone that we've seen that we know is playing. We got Malik Jackson injured, Malik McDowell's on the COVID list. After that, we got to get down to Jordan Elliott, who's played 14 games, 395 uh, snaps so far, 45 overall grade. So that sucks. But he does have nine pressures on 224 attempts. He doesn't have a good pressure grade, so I don't know what they're doing to get this guy so many pressures. Some kind of a flukish deal. I don't. I don't know. Uh, again, it might just be one of those, he's usually horrible, but occasionally really good. I, I don't know. Because that's an insanely high number, 9 compared to 224. But again, 45 overall grade, 40, 51 run defense, 51 pass rush. And again, another guy that just, he had he had one game in the 70s, week 5. One game close in week 8, 69.4 was his second best game. I, I, I don't want to read all these, but they're all 50s and 40s. And then when you get down to week 11, 29, week 12, 30, and then 50-52. That's been his last four weeks. This is maybe the worst defensive tackle over the last four weeks in football. He may be their DT1. Even if he's not, the other guys aren't much better. This is problematic for, for the Browns. Um, again, they, they, they've, got, they've got a history and a culture of having a good defensive line, and it's primarily Miles Garrett, and, and things are just devolving so quickly. It's, it's another situation of things are getting worse at a faster rate than they're getting better. You know, we talked about it with the Vikings and with the Bears. It's really the same thing with the Browns. Things are devolving rapidly. 
So that's one guy I'm assuming is playing. I don't think Jordan Elliott is on this list. I should probably check real quick. I don't see him. So we'll probably see Jordan Elliott out there. Um, they're number two, depending on who comes back. Sheldon Day actually grades out quite well. 71.9. I think he's a younger guy too. Sheldon Day, fourth round pick in 2016. Yeah, so he's 27. Um, again, this is a guy where it's like, why don't you give him more opportunities? 71, 72 basically overall grade, 66 run defense, which isn't great, but it's better than everybody else. 74 tackling grade, 67 pass rush. He has exactly 10 pressures on 100 attempts. So he's right at 10%, which isn't great, but he's competent. He's a competent defensive tackle that's decent against the run, good tackler, decent pass rusher. He's right at 10%, two sacks. I mean, it's it's baseline minimum, but it's still better than everybody else. But, you know, we're not going to give him any opportunities. Uh, and then you got Andrew Billings, 47 overall grade. You got uh, Tomi Togiai at a 50 overall grade. These are these are these are pathetic. These are just pathetic defensive tackles right now. And if they don't have their edge rushers to balance that out, it's just it's going to be it's going to be a bad day. That's all there is to it. And 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 even if they got guys um, that can cover like Denzel Ward, and, and that's given us fits because they're doing a good job against Devontae and the other wide receivers are having a bad day. I don't know how necessarily you stop our running attack. I know they've done a great job of upgrading their linebackers, depending on who's even playing. So maybe that's kind of a thing. Uh, they had a, a horrifically bad linebacker group. Um, and then they got Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa, who's been great. And then Mac Wilson just took a massive leap as a, as a linebacker. So now they've got, they went from one of the worst linebacking groups to one of the better ones. But um, I guess they're next on the list. So let's look at them. JOK, Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. He was, he was one of the guys, a lot of Packer fans liked him. Um, I kind of liked him, but I didn't really pay too much. I don't want to give myself credit for it because I wasn't paying super close attention to any of the draft prospects. But point is, he's having a good year. He was a second round pick. It's been very intermittent, though. The 76 is somewhat misleading. Uh, most people think that he's very, very good. And, and he is because he's a super big highlight reel guy. And if you watch certain games, uh, I think we all probably watched the game against Chicago. That was his highest graded game, 94 overall grade. So probably a lot of us, especially those of us that were interested in him for the Packers, watched that game and thought that guy's a freak because he was in that game. Uh, he also had an 88 against Baltimore, but his last two weeks, 66 and 54, he's also got a 66, a 29, a 63, a 69, a 58, and a 69. So it's mostly been average to subpar to bad but he's got some really good games mixed in. Overall, I mean, he's 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 dangerous. I mean, he's raw, he's young, so you got to assume that he's going to have some some down games and depending on matchup and what he's asked to do, but um he's got he's got some incredible incredible games too. So somewhat dangerous. It's one of those things no matter what I say I'm wrong. If I say he's not that good, he's going to have one of his 94 overall day games, game days and uh everyone's going to say I'm stupid or he's just going to get run over and everyone's like, "Dude, you said he was good." I don't know, man. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's horrible. Sometimes he's a 94. Sometimes he's a 29. After that, you got Mac Wilson, who is a guy that I absolutely loved. Uh, he was considered a first round pick for some time. He ended up falling to the fifth and I completely understand why. And I knew at the time I told, I told everybody on this podcast and on my YouTube channel and everything else. I said, I love Mac Wilson. I know he's probably not going to be very good in the NFL because my style of, of, of linebacker is guys that just smoke people. And he is a violent football player. He has a 90 overall tackling grade. That doesn't surprise me at all. Um, his grades, his first two years, 41 overall, 41 overall grade. This year, 75. And it probably is largely because of Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa because he allows you to bring in Mac Wilson to just be that one guy that he is. You're not asking him to do what JOK does, right? You ask Mac to be Mac. And so um, he's able to get in there and just smoke people. 
He's, he's the guy that lines up and is just a heat-seeking missile and just lights people up. And so that's what he does. So he's having a good, he's very consistent too. Um, he's had one bad game week one. Otherwise, he's had one game below a 60. Um, his best was an 81, so he's just hovering in that range between a 60 and an, and an 80. But it's pretty much every week, so he's been consistent. Um, and again, it's a massive jump for him. I think they just finally found a way to utilize him. Um, and it's working out. I think these these two linebackers are just working in tandem really, really well. Who, again, was on the injury report, but he should be good to go. Um, he is a good corner. I'm not saying he's not. I just think Browns fans kind of overrate the guy a little bit. They think he's one of the greatest in football. He's got a 78 overall grade, which is his highest basically since his rookie year. So he had a 79, 69, 70, and 78. That's good. That's fine. It's not super elite by any stretch. And, and by the way, he's had four really good games, a 93 against Cincinnati and 85 against Detroit, 74 against Minnesota, 74 against Kansas City. I shouldn't even say four really good. He's had four good games. Um, his fifth best game was a 65 overall grade. So again, I, I he's, he's good. He's talented. I think he's overrated. He's given up um, 65% of the passes thrown at him, 334 yards, two touchdowns, three picks, five pass breakups, 71.1 passer rating when targeted. So, I mean, we'll see. Best of luck with Devontae, bud. After that, their number two guy is Greedy Williams. Greedy took a big jump. He was real, another guy that was real popular, thought to be a first-round pick, a kind of a high first-round pick, and then he started to fall, fall, fall. The Browns ended up getting him in the second round. He had a really bad first year, 54 overall grade. Um... He's had some really, really bad games, um, like horrifically bad games, but overall 73, so much improvement. He's either, another guy, he's either horrible or he's he's quite good. Here are his coverage grades, 31, 90, 87, 82, 38. <laughs> That's how he started it. Then he's got a 75, 61, 29, 80, 67, 49, 85. So he hasn't had a really bad day in a while, but it, it really is just, and I don't know, Maybe if somebody wanted to dig in a little bit more in terms of what it is he struggles with. I mean, week one was Kansas City, so maybe it's just speed guys. I don't know. Chicago, 90. Who else? It's Arizona. That could have been. I mean, they got some couple of speed guys on there. Cincinnati, I'm not sure. I don't think. I know they got good wide receivers. Uh, Jamar Chase isn't slow, that's for sure. I know he's pretty quick. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, Baltimore has Hollywood Brown. He didn't do great in those games, but he wasn't terrible. Again, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you about Greedy Williams. He's either really, really good or he's really, really horrible. We'll see who shows up in this game. Um, it might be worth trying him out, and if they can't hang, just run the ball. Because I mean, if they can, just run the ball um, because they obviously really struggle in that in that regard. And again, it's going to be massively important to know who's coming back in this game because if they don't have Miles and or Jadavian Clowney, that's, 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 that's devastating. Miles in particular. I mean, we, we can handle Jadavian. He'll probably get in, get his his one sack, his couple pressures, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's Miles Miles Garrett might just make or break this game, and I'm not saying we lose if they have Miles Garrett. I'm just saying I don't know how they win if they don't have Miles Garrett. Um, Baker, you could say that about, but I don't I don't know as bad as he's been playing. Anyways, finally their safeties. Um, John Johnson's their number one guy. I mean, on the team, safeties usually are the top guy in terms of of all that stuff, but. Uh, in terms of snaps. John Johnson is a good safety, and he's been getting better as the season's rolled on. Um, the reason I said that I knew about him and he was real good, his grades in LA, 81-83. He had an injured year in 2019, then he came back 85. So he was dominant. So Cleveland goes out, they decide not to keep him. Cleveland goes out and picks him up, and they don't really know how to utilize him. But he has been getting better. Um, 
started off the season 50-40, 50, 50, 60, 60, 60, 60. So 50s and 40s, then 60s. Then he had his first 85 overall game. Bottom line is the last three weeks, though, 77, 73, 76. So he's, that's three consistently good weeks in a row. It's interesting enough. However, John Johnson is out. Hamstring injury. So again, so here's a guy. He's critical to this success. He's finally getting into a rhythm. He's kind of anchors the back end. He's our number one player. Not number one player in terms of talent, but he's the guy that's on the field the most. He's always out there. He's the shot caller. He's our, he's our go-to clutch can't play without guy, John Johnson, he's out. Number two safety in terms of snap counts anyways, Ronnie Harrison, 60 overall grade. After that, you've got Grant Delpit is the guy who came back. Um, Grant Delpit was, I mean, he was expected to be just all-time great. He's another one that slipped to the second round. Now again, smart people look at that and go, wow, maybe he's not that good because he fell to the second round. Some people thought that the Browns got the biggest steal in the history of the world picking up Delpit. Um, but he did not play in 2020, comes back in 2021. He has a 58 overall grade. Had one really good game against Baltimore uh, week 12, didn't play week 13, came back week 14, going to play in this game presumably. Um, but again, 58 overall grade, he's had one good game, or uh, two, he had one good game. <laughs> Guess what the other good game was? Minnesota. That might have been the most talented roster in football this season is the Cleveland Browns against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, guys that just have not had good games had a great game against Minnesota. That's ridiculous. So the the two safeties are going to be Ronnie Harrison, who's 6'3", 214. Uh, Grant Delpit, 6'3", 203. So your strong safety is Ronnie Harrison. Your free safety for the most... I mean, they do. it is interchangeable, but that's probably what it's going to be. Strong safety, Grant Delpit. That's based on what they usually do. But uh, just generally in terms of coverage, Ronnie Harrison, 54 overall grade. Grant Delpit, 55. Um... Grant has given up 202 yards, a touchdown, one pick, and one pass breakup. Ronnie, 281 yards. He's given up seven touchdowns, one pick, two pass breakups. That has to be number one in the NFL for most touchdowns given up. That's crazy. He gave up three against the Chargers. As far as special teams, I mean, it's just kind of night and day. It's it's so depressing to look at this because the Packers will have like one guy in the 70s, like Henry Black, and be like, oh, wow, we got one guy that doesn't, isn't terrible. Um, if we just round up, call 69 to 70, they have 15 players on their special teams with a 69 overall grade or higher. Um, they've got 12 guys with a 70 overall grade or higher. They've got three guys that grade out in the 80s. Joe Jackson, the edge rusher, MJ Stewart at an 80.9, and Sion Takitaki, the linebacker, an 85 overall grade on special teams. I mean, they've got 12 guys on their special teams that can match up with our one good guy. It's just it's very disappointing. Um, kicker that they've got, he's 63 overall grade. He's 71% um, with his field goals. Uh, he's he's 100% within inside of 40 yards. So between zero and 39 yards, he is uh, seven of seven. But he's only four of 10 in the 40-yard range. He's four for four from 50. So that doesn't make a huge amount of sense. But something about that 40-yard range, man, it's just... It's it's uh, it's getting in his head. He's forty percent. Uh, Dustin Colquitt was their punter. Uh, let me just make sure that I got that right. Uh, oh no, he is their punter. Okay, that's what I was wondering. So Jamie Gillen was their punter. Was horrible. They picked Dustin Colquitt up off from Atlanta. So Atlanta was punting for or Colquitt was punting for Atlanta as late as week eleven. Cleveland picked him up week fourteen. Um, and he's been pretty decent since he got there. <coughs> so that is an upgrade. 
And then as far as their returners, none of them have good grades, but um, kickoff returners, Dearness Johnson, the guy I told you to watch out for at um, at running back, is the only guy that's been over 25 yards per attempt, which is the one number that is kind of scary, but he's only done it once. Uh, their main returner is Demetric Felton, the wide receiver I told you to watch out for, but he's 17.8 yards per return. His longest was 25 yards, so that's really not impressive at all. Their punt returner is also Demetric Felton, 60 overall grade. His uh, average is seven yards, which I don't think is that bad. Maybe it's just because I'm not used to getting seven yards on a punt return. I don't know. Let me just look real quick. Yeah, it's not that great. I mean, he's if you just kind of just sort this, um, I mean, Amari Rogers is 7.4, so that should tell you pretty much everything you need to know. It's it's very similar. Where is the Cleveland guy? Oh, he's low. He's lower. Yeah, 7.1. So he's he's worse than Amari Rogers is. He's actually one of the lowest. I felt like that wasn't that bad. Like if you get it at the 40 and you bring it out to almost the 50, I'm probably happy with that. But uh, that's apparently pretty terrible. If I just pick like a random median here, it's about 8.4 yards. But you've got several guys, 10 guys that are over 10 yards on average per return. So they do not have, Demetric Felton is not doing a very good job as a returner, which is phenomenal. That doesn't mean he won't have a great day against us. I'm clearly not saying that. But at least it's not, you know, one of the top returners in football like Jakeem Grant, who's 12.3 yards per attempt um, on, on punt returns. By the way, Devin Duvernay last week is actually second at 14.4 yards per punt return. So we've gone up against mobile quarterbacks and really good returners in those last two games, and, and the Browns don't seem to have either. So anyways, that pretty much covers it. Um, again, the, the real, real big to keep an eye on who ends up coming back. Um, is Miles going to play? My hunch is that he will play, but it is pretty serious that it just happened on Monday and he hasn't practiced all week. That's that's pretty rough. Um, J- does Jedrick Wills come back at tackle? If so, Batonio probably kicks back into guard and, and that kind of upgrades the unit as a whole. It's a downgrade at left tackle, to be clear, but overall it kind of boosts things. Um, is Jarvis coming back? That changes the landscape a little bit. Not that he's dominant, but again, it kind of just pushes everything down. Uh, if Eddie Odenigbo, Malik McDowell, those two uh, defensive line players, an edge rusher and an interior guy, again, neither of them are super dominant, but they're going to need as much help as they can get. Um, Baker Mayfield obviously is massive. Is he coming back? Actually, I just completely, I missed it. Ronnie Harrison is on the COVID list. Dang it. All right, one second. So two of their top three safeties are out. Grant Delpit is in. Um, so that leaves us with Grant Delpit. And then I guess MJ Stewart would be the next uh, guy in line to be safety. So it could be Grant Delpit and MJ Delpit and MJ Stewart. Um, MJ Stewart, 5'11", 200 pounds. He's sort of a sl- uh, slot slash strong safety guy. He's one of those kind of hybrid players. He's going to have to just stand out there and be the strong safety, which probably means Grant is going to be the free safety. Oh yeah, yay. But again, who knows? Maybe Ronnie comes back. Uh, who else matters here? Oh, Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson's on the list. I missed him too. Linebacker Mac Wilson is on the COVID list. Please hold. Looks like Anthony Walker is going to be the top guy. Um, Mac's missed a lot of time as it is anyways, so whatever, but, uh, Anthony Walker looks like he's going to be the top guy here. So, um, Anthony Walker has a 63 overall grade, 50 run defense, and 70 coverage. So a lot of these guys are, are more cover guys anyways, but that's that's going to stink, especially when you go from Mac to that, because Mac can handle the run defense aspects, and um, Anthony Walker cannot as much. There's also Malcolm Smith at linebacker, 381 snaps, so he may get involved in the action as well. 
Neither of them are very good against the run. But anyways, is Mac Wilson coming back? Is Kareem Hunt at running back coming back? Is Jadavian Clowney going to play? I mean, these are massive factors on top of the injury report. Again, Miles Garrett and Malik Jackson, are they going to play? So definitely need to keep an eye on that. Keep keep tuned in to Mr. Ian Rappaport and whatnot and see how things are going with that. Otherwise, you fine folks have yourselves a fantastic Christmas Eve. And um, if you got nothing to do tomorrow, which I know is the case for some people, unfortunately, uh, I will make an effort to, uh, to get a podcast out. And for some of you that are just psychotic individuals that want to squeeze it in, maybe hide the uh, Bluetooth in your ear while Christmas is happening so you can listen, I appreciate you. I really do. I know not many people are listening, but the people that are, love you guys. (laughs) Have a good Christmas. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.